everybody? How are you all feel? Are you feeling fresh? We're continuing this morning our series on a fresh start. Last time I spoke, we talked about having a fresh revelation or a fresh understanding. And actually, everything I'm going to talk about from there kind of flows from there. And I want to just sort of recap our, our understanding is because today we're going to be talking about a fresh anointing. Don't go there yet, but that's what we're going to be talking about. It's a very, anointing is a very churchy word, isn't it? You don't hear it much anywhere else but church. But I want to just remind ourselves of how important it is to understand things correctly or to have a right understanding of something that might be mysterious to you. Remember last time I talked about when it's sunny outside in February, that doesn't mean it's warm, right? And you don't have that understanding unless you've lived it, right? In the same way, you know, I was thinking about someone who doesn't understand can be like somebody who's never walked on snow before or ice before, right? And so what do you do when you have a little kid and they're about to walk on snow and ice? You say, walk like a penguin, right? You, you, you are giving them a revelation. You are telling them something that is outside of normal nature. Normally, when we're teaching our child to walk, we tell them to put one foot in front of the other like everybody else. But all of a sudden, situation has changed, and we're saying, walk like a penguin. Why? Because we know from our experience that if you walk like a penguin, you're not going to slip and fall, or at least you're less likely to fall than you are if you try to walk normally. America's Funniest Home Videos has made a whole career out of people who do not know how to walk on ice or in snow. I mean, how many people do you see in the South, they get an ice storm, and they think, well, I'm just going to go and get my mail. Whoop! And they all fall, and we all laugh. But it's because no one ever called them and said, hey, walk like a penguin. <laughs> now, or further to that, actual next thing, when we talk talking about the anointing, would be to actually help them with that. You know, for example, maybe if you had somebody who kept on falling down, you might say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy you crampons. Do you know what those are? Anybody have any? Actually, I know there's somebody here that has some because a buddy of mine is obsessed with those things. Because he, the, you know what those are? Those are like those steel toed, those studded things you put around your boot that have steel studs on them for walking on ice. They're called crampons. I don't know. Actually, is that a French word? And we just, what is it in English? Anybody know? In English, I don't think so. I think we just say crampon in Quebec because we just say crampon. I don't know. It's a thing that helps you walk, okay, on ice, okay, and they literally grab on to the ice. That's sort of like, what? Cleats, sort of, yeah, sort of like cleats. That's sort of like the idea I'm talking about. It's putting something on or over you that helps you accomplish the mission you have, which in this case would be walking on ice, okay? And so it's one thing to say, walk like a penguin. It's another thing to say, walk like a penguin, and I bought you the very thing you need that will allow you to walk. Actually, not even walk like a penguin. You can walk like normal, and while everybody else is like this downtown, you can just walk on by. And my friend who's here this morning, he, he, forever, I've known him for years, and every winter, he's always, doesn't matter what the weather is in the winter, he's always just walking because he's got his crampons on. And everybody always says to him, I really got to get a pair of those, and we all never do. <laughs> all right? But isn't life like that? Sometimes you get advice, you get information, or God offers you something, and you're like, I really got to get me some of those, and we just never do. And then we see somebody else just sail through life, or just sail through their problem. And we forget it's because they've got their spiritual crampons on. Okay? They've got their anointing, and we're, not, we're like, what's going on there? So that's what we're going we're gonna to talk about today. So I want to talk about anointing, first of all. So um, those of you who grew up in church or around church, it's, you're probably familiar with it. If you're not familiar with church, it's a, it's a bit of a strange, I guess, concept because it's not talked about. But in ancient religions, it was quite normal, um, but especially true in Judaism, the whole idea of anointing. And so... 
In the Old Testament, if you realize it, usually the leaders of Israel were what was called anointing. You actually don't hear about anointing till Exodus with Moses and so on, but the whole idea is that they would take um, oils, okay? Um, this is an example over here. Now, they didn't have nice glass bottles like this. I'm sure they had actually nicer stuff. There's some oil in there. That's for praying. Actually, this needs to be refilled, FYI. Okay, and you see there's a little bit of oil in there. And so you'd have an oil. And so if somebody was chosen to be a priest or somebody was chosen to be king, uh, they would anoint them with oil, okay? And that was like a symbolic uh, act to say that they've been chosen by God to accomplish whatever task they were given, whether it's being a priest or whether it's being king or, or whatever it be. Basically, they're saying that God has chosen you and given you the abilities you need to accomplish this task symbolized by, um, um, by this oil. But also, if you read the Old Testament, when it talks about the act of the Holy Spirit, um, it's, it's similar to what we know today, but you'll always, if you really study your Old Testament, you'll realize that when the Holy Spirit... Uh, it would often say in English, it says, the Holy Spirit came upon so-and-so. Okay, you'll see that a lot. In fact, you see it right before Jesus' birth when it says the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, his own mother. Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon or the Holy Spirit hovered over or the Holy Spirit empowered. Um, right before Samson would do a lot of his uh, strength exploits, you'd see the Holy Spirit came upon or the Holy Spirit came upon Moses. And so the Holy Spirit, rather than dwelling in somebody by the person of God, God would come upon somebody. Okay, that's one idea of anointing. And then there was also the physical anointing where God would, where, where symbolically they would put oil on you. Okay, and you'd, if you read your Old Testament, you'll see many stories where oil is poured on something or someone as an act of saying, this is what God has approved of or chosen. Okay, um, so that's um, one way of looking at it. Actually, if you just bear with me a second here, because I have a note saved on my phone that I thought of. You ever do that? You think of something later? I thought, that would have been good. I should have wrote that down. Okay. So uh, anointing, if you look back, it actually means to smear or to rub oil. It's literally what it means. Okay. As part of a religious ceremony. Okay. Usually that person's been uh, picked for a task. Like I said, it was kings and, and prophets. And, and actually one prophet, Elisha, uh, was anointed. Okay. And so uh, we don't do that so much anymore. However, for those of you who go to church, know the New Testament does say if someone is sick amongst you, tell them to come to the church and be, have, be prayed for with oil. The, the elders of the church should anoint them with oil and then pray for them. Now, if you think, does that mean if someone's sick, we come and we pour a big jar of oil over them? No. It simply means you put a little bit of oil on your hand okay, and, and pray for them. So that's still around, but not so much. So what ends up happening... Uh, like a lot of things, is if it's a word or a practice we don't do much anymore, we forget what it means and we don't understand it anymore. So I think we need a fresh anointing. It's the same way when it comes to food. My friend Richard over here, you work with food every day. Okay, Richard owns a, a food business. And so he's not disconnected from the food chain like we are. Right? He is right in there. He sees the rawness of the meat and the so on and so forth. And those of us who are disconnected from the food chain forget what's really going on. My father loves to tell stories of growing up on the farm and having to kill animals so they could eat them. Right, But in one sense, it gave you an appreciation of nature. It gave you an appreciation of what it takes for meat to be produced. Or for those of you who do vegetable gardening, you really appreciate fruit uh, vegetables a lot more when you realize how hard you work to grow that vegetable. And we're so disconnected from the food chain, then we wonder why, in general, in society, there's a lack of respect for food. 
You understand? I'm using an example, okay? So in the same way, when we, when we talk about a term like anointing, and you read it all over the Bible, anointing, anointing, but we don't do it, we don't see it, we don't understand it, we can lose our perspective on it, okay, and what it really means. But if you grow up in church or if you go to church, you'll often hear people say, oh, that was so anointed, or oh, he or she is so anointed. And the truth is, 99% of the time, we're using that term in the wrong context, Okay, and it's not because we're bad or stupid or whatever. It's that we've lost touch with the nature of the word anointing and what's really happening. So let's talk about what anointing means. So you can go to the next one now. So uh, just to show you. So that's the idea. Okay, oil. I want you to think about that as we go through. Okay. All right. So let's uh, talk about Jesus. Everybody know uh, what's Jesus's last name? Trick question. Yeshua, no, that's his actual name. Okay, Yeshua is his name in, Jew, in Hebrew. He does, yeah, Christ. He doesn't have a last name. It's a trick question. Okay, but a lot of people think that Christ is his last name. Okay, uh, but that's because Christ is a Greek word, a Greek alliteration from the, the, the Hebrew Mashiach, Messiah. Okay, what we say in English, the Greeks call it what? Christos. Christos means anointed one. Okay, Christ, the anointed one. Okay. So when you're all your Greek friends at Easter going, Christos, Anesti, that's what they're talking about, okay? The anointed one. So not only is he anointed, he is the anointed one. Okay, so you can't out-anoint how anointed Jesus was. Okay, he is the one. Okay, and so Jesus, you know, is the anointed one. Okay, we get that, all right? So uh, we'll skip that. Let's review Jesus and his anointing. There's a great story where Jesus, and I don't know if you did it on purpose this morning, reading Isaiah 61, did you, kind of knowing what I was talking about? Okay, so Pastor Armory this morning picked Isaiah 61 to start the service with. He is my father, but I promise you we did not plan this. In fact, I don't think I spoke to my dad this week other than right now. Okay, so um, he read Isaiah 61, which is actually where we're going to sort of start. What happens is, many of you, if you grew up in church, you know the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Okay? And so Jesus goes to the wilderness, and the devil tries to tempt him, right? What does the devil try to tempt him with? Food, uh, power, authority. Uh, Jesus rebuffs him every time. It's important to realize that before Jesus was tempted by the devil, he had been doing what? Praying and fasting. Okay? Then he went through the temptation. So the devil went after him, and he used scripture, right? Each time he used scripture from the Old Testament to defeat the devil, and the devil, it says the devil fled. Okay? Okay, net, we get there, then we read in Luke 4. You can put that up, I think I have this part. Jesus returned to the Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Okay, ready? So he, this could read, Jesus returned to Galilee anointed. Okay, it could read that. Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Why was he in the power of the Spirit? He had just been praying and fasting. For 40 days, he had faced the devil himself and defeated him. And now he goes to Galilee, and, he, and it says, News about him spread through the countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, remember, that's where he's from, okay, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Isaiah 61 is what they didn't number them the way we do now in the same way, but he was given that scroll, Isaiah 61. Unrolling it, he found with a place where it is written, and he begins to read Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus is saying, I am what this verse is talking about. Isaiah was prophesying me. This is a big claim by Jesus now. I mean, this is in people, he's saying this is me. So let's just pause for a second and review for a minute. Okay, the spirit of who is upon him? The Lord. Well, hold on, he's Jesus. He is the Lord. Yes, but we understand that God is three and one, one and three, right? So the spirit is upon Jesus. Remember, I told you, up until, after, up until Jesus comes, uh, rises from the dead, the spirit is coming upon people, not in, upon. So Jesus is saying, he's coming upon me because he's anointed me. Okay, so he's saying, I've been anointed. Now, right away, his audience was Jewish. They were disconnected from the practices like we are. They knew exactly what he was saying. The second he said anointed, they meant, oh, he's saying he's prophet, priest, and king. They knew that right away. Okay, they understood. If he's anointed, he's a prophet, priest, and king. He's anointed me to do... So first of all, let's ask ourselves a question. Who anoints? God. Okay, remember that. Who anoints? God. Okay, Spirit of God. And then he says, to preach the gospel to the poor, etc. So the, the, the Spirit anoints Jesus to do what? Doesn't that preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovery sight to the blind, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Okay, now I want to ask you a really important question you need to talk about before we go any further. Do you think that if this is what Jesus was anointed for, that anybody ever since could be anointed for anything other than this? Now try that again. If Jesus was anointed for this package... Do you think somehow in the 2,000 years of Christianity since that somebody could claim to have an anointing for anything other than what Jesus himself was anointed for? I hope not, because the answer is no. Because Jesus got the full package. We're not getting something in addition to what he got. Okay? But by the way, I don't think you can get better than this. This is pretty great. But when people say, well, I've been anointed to start a business and be blessed. Whoa, slow your roll. Okay? Now, I'm in business. I get it. You can have a grace for things. Okay? It's, it's, you can have a gifting for things. But we have to be careful how we use our, 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 our language. Okay? It, it, we have to be careful. The anointing is for something. This is what it's for. If Jesus took the anointing and did this with it, we should probably copy what he does. Okay, so the point is, to Jesus, the anointing was for good things, for healing, for reconciliation, even when it hurts. See, Jesus wasn't all daisies and flowers and friendship. He was anointed and he still gave warnings. Woe to you, he would say. Repent, turn back. He wasn't all, you know, sunshine and lollipops. But it was never bad news with no bad ending. It was Hey, watch out, a warning with good news. Hey, turn back to God and he will heal you. Turn back to God and everything will be all right. Turn back to God and we'll make it right. It's not easy. And I want to now take a moment, we have time. I want to take a moment now to help us to learn, to equip ourselves, how to discern anointing, anointed people and anointed things. Growing up, I had the privilege of being around people who were anointed in their ministry. 
around people who could speak words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of encouragement, just like Jesus did, into our lives at all times. I've told this story maybe once before here, but I'll tell it again because people haven't heard it. When I was about 15, I was in our church. We, I went to, we went to church in Verdun growing up. Our sister church is still, well, it's a different building, but our church ever done that's still there. And this was about a year, everything changed after this. After my dad got called, at, the, at that time, my father was uh, an executive, a, a, a chief financial officer of a successful business, um, making a good deal of money. And I had my whole life planned out because I was 15 and he was going to send me to a really good university and I was going to do this and I was going to do that. And it was all going to be fine. And about a year before, I didn't realize what was going to happen. A year later, I would find Pastor uh, Pastor Armory, Armour, who's now Pastor Armory, who's just he's an elder back then. He'd become a pastor, and all that money would go poof, and uh, things would change. <laughs> and about a year before that, uh, an apostle in our church—he didn't go to our church. He happened to be—you you may have heard of him—but he was the grandfather of my best friend. And I remember, I'll never forget this day, we were in Verdun, it was in the foyer upstairs, and we were all, you know, it was 15 after church, who knows what we were doing, we were goofing off, whatever. And I was running through, and I remember he just grabbed my arm. Now, I respected this man a lot. I only ever saw him four or five times a year, I didn't see him that often, you know, he knew me well enough, but I, I just stopped him, and he stopped me. And I knew, I was like, okay, I have to just stop and listen to what he's going to say to me now. And he said to me, he goes, I had a dream about you. And I'm like, uh-oh. And he goes, I, I want to tell you something. He goes, I saw you standing in front of God's people, teaching them and helping and equipping them. And at first I was like, all right, <laughs> I like that, okay. So, right, and I, he goes on to say, I saw you. So he saw today, he saw this. I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. By the way, sorry folks, but my plans when I was younger was to become a lawyer, make a lot of money and just whatever. Bye guys, okay? That was my plan. But he's like, nope, this is what you're going to do. And at first I'm like, good, but then he says, but then he said, listen to this. He said, but first, you need to do two things. And I was like, okay. See, so he said, there's something coming, but here's the demand on your life. So says, I need you to burn the candle at both ends. When other people sleep, you stay up. And you read and you study the word. You have to do that. And he said, second, God is going to take you and he's going to break you in half. And then he's going to rebuild you. And then you could... And I remember thinking at the time, now here's the problem. Here's the thing. At that time, I'm telling you, I wasn't hurt. I wasn't sad. I knew the man. And I knew his ministry and I knew the anointing on his life. So I took it. Now at 15, I thought, break me. Oh, maybe I won't have a good job. It's like what I thought, you know. I didn't realize what God was really saying. But let me tell you something. Two things. One, I did the first thing he said. When I was young, young people, if you're listening to me now, I didn't sleep much. You ask my parents. Okay, and I would. I read. I devoured the Bible. I devoured it over and over and over again. I have friends, oh, how do you know what it says? Because I just read it so many times. That's all. Nothing magical. So from 10 to 12, instead of playing Fortnite, which didn't exist when I was young, instead of doing whatever we did back then, I don't know what we did. I did. We didn't have smartphones, nothing. I just read the Bible over and over and over again for many years. Then adulthood came. And I can tell you there's been times my life is broken. I've been broken in half. The man I thought I was, broken in half. But you know what got me through those times? The promise. The promise that out of that would come the ministry that that apostle saw. See, so the words he had were anointed with truth. They didn't hurt me. They didn't scare me. And actually, in the worst times when I felt broken, I remembered, oh, this is all part of the promise. 
you see? Because what happens when something or someone is anointed, even when it hurts, it points you to God. It brings you back to God. It points you to healing. It points you to reconciliation. It points you to truth. It points you to love. It points you to God. It doesn't point you to someone or something or to a church. It points you to God. You have to get a nose for these things. Here's a good example. How many of you know the Christmas hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? And you know that song? It is my favorite Christmas song in history. Okay? It's amazing. Do you know this one? The first verse says, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. And it gets deeper. O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, the depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory over the grave. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Fantastic words, lovely words, and I dare say anointed words. Whoever wrote that song, I'm not even sure who it is, anointed now, at Christmas time, everybody releases their Christmas album. And you, you want to understand the difference between anointing and not anointing? Take the best singer you know who's an atheist. God bless him. And they can sing this song, and it's technically perfect. Sounds beautiful. But there's something just not there. Now, you take that song and you give it to Yolanda Adams, who's technically impeccable but a believer anointed by God and hear her sing it, and I promise you, you'll cry. Because there's anointing there, there's something there beyond just the natural that God has covered. Remember, he put the crampons on. Okay? There's something there in what they're saying and what they're doing. The words themselves have life, but the person themselves who, who are open themselves to the things of God. I'm not criticizing those who don't believe and sing the song. It's just that they are missing an element. You know, I thought about a great example last night as I was watching the game. I don't know if you heard, but a great news. I hope my friends from Toronto see this. The Maple Leafs last night lost to a guy who plays in beer league hockey. He's a goalie who never plays. He's 42 years old. And both the Carolina Hurricanes team lost both their goalies. They both got hurt. And they had to literally go get that guy from the stands and put him in net. He drives a Zamboni. And he beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, now, now here's the thing. I'm not, what that means, I thought about watching last night, and I thought, watching that Leafs lose, which was great. And it's not that. It's I thought, I wonder how, I was trying to think about like anointing versus not anointing and the, the truth of it. Can you imagine now, being good Montrealers, I'm sure you're all Habs fans, okay, all Canadians fans, right? And you just love the Habs. And I don't know if you've ever been to a game or even watching from home and everybody just screams and yells and whatever. I always scare my dog whenever the Habs score because I'm make i like, yeah, you know. Can you imagine somebody came to me and said, hey, listen, uh, listen, tonight, just for tonight, I will pay you $10,000 to go to where the Leafs play and cheer for the Leafs. But you have to be crazy cheering for the Leafs. I promise you, I would take that $10,000. And I would go to that Maple Leafs game. And I would paint my face white and blue. And I'd be like, go Leafs, go! And cheering crazy. But the truth is, my heart would never be in it. Never. Instead, I would rather pay the Canadians to go and watch them lose. Because that's where I want to be. Now you could go to Toronto and, be pay and, and cheer and scream and whatever, but your heart, it would all be fake. That's what it's like when you don't have the anointing. But when you have the anointing, you're like, I don't care. I don't care if I have to pay to go. I want to pay to go. 
and then you get to be yourself. Okay, you don't have to be somebody you're not. Do you get the analogy? I hope I'm helping you understand. We have to be smart because in today's world, especially today's church, there is an anointing, and there's another word I want you to think about, impartation, giving of something, okay, that something has. It doesn't mean that it's good, okay? It's that it produces good, or more personally, produces godly fruit. It's anointed if it produces worship of God. This is an important one. You're ready for me now, Christians, especially my friends who follow people online. You ready for this? If it points people to God and not to the preacher, then it's anointed. If you leave a sermon talking about the preacher and not the one he was preaching about, then there's a problem. Well, there's a lot of peas in there. I like that one, okay? Did you follow that now? If everybody leaves going, whoa, that man is anointed, there's a problem. Oh, that worship is anointed. No, we should leave worshiping the one whose worship was about, who the preacher was talking about. That's what anointing produces. People talking about that. It produces healing, uh, uh, mended hearts, deliverance, uh, sight to the blind. And by the way, I want to be very clear that we're not just talking poetic here. Oh, it's, oh, oh, yeah, giving sight to the blind, those who can't see spiritually. No, it's not just that. He's literally talking about giving sight to the blind. Don't, don't scale back the gospel because the scale scares us. It can be scary, but don't scale it back because we're scared by the scale. Anointed people have a way about them. Think of Jesus. The Word of God tells us that Jesus humbled himself to the nature of a servant. Hmm? Hmm? And we got anointed people today who have drivers and people carrying their briefcases. Hello, my friends, you know what I'm talking about. Right? What's going on? We have anointed people today uh, doing things that frankly are unacceptable. I need a $25 million jet so I can go preach the gospel. Drive. Okay? God will make a way, brother. Okay? Anointing doesn't equal success. You hear me? And success doesn't equal anointing. Did you hear me? Right now, somewhere in a God-forsaken part of China, there's a pastor who has maybe got 12 people in his church. They're at the point of death because their government wants them dead, and they are super anointed. And they will never know financial success. They will never know material success. They'll never have a church building, but that church is as anointed as any church ever will be in the history of time. Amen. Right now. Yeah. And we have, to, we have to, I almost used a very big word, excuse me, disabuse. We have to get rid of any idea that anointing means success. Well, that guy, the way he dresses is anointed. Rubbish! Okay? Oh, that church must be anointed. Look how nice their building is. Rubbish! Okay? Anointing brings people to God. Anointing people equips people for the works of ministry. That's what anointing is. Amen. Let's look at Jesus again. It says, you know, in Acts 10, I think I have that one, you know what happened 
throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee. Remember, where was Jesus? He came out from the temptation and he started in Galilee. So he's talking about, you know what happened. Started in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So somebody who's anointed has God with him and they don't go around puffing themselves up. They don't go around building a ministry. They don't go around talking how great they are. They go around doing good and healing those who are oppressed. Amen? And those who are ill. So how does this apply to you? We've been talking about Jesus, right? Well, in the Old Testament, they would pour oil on somebody to be anointed. Okay? In the New Testament, we've already read Jesus told us it's the Holy Spirit that anoints us. He comes, those of you become, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you, and that is you, and He is the one who gives anointing. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, 22 to 21 to 22. It's up there somewhere. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So it's God who makes us firm, and it's God who anointed us. Right? We already know. So he's talking to other believers. He's talking to the Corinthians. And he's saying, you guys are anointed because you know God. You follow God. And he says he set his seal of ownership upon us. Again, uh, folks, this is one of those history lessons, Okay. You may have seen this in movies and stuff like that, but it's important you understand what they mean. See, this, the Corinthians heard this and they go, oh yeah, I know what he means, seal of ownership. We don't really do that much anymore, but it's the idea in the olden days, if you, say, had a property or whatever, you would put your seal on it. You would put your stamp on it. Like maybe mine would be like RD, you know what I mean? And you would like, and you put it up. And then somebody would go by and go, oh, that belongs to RD. We might know that today from like cows and sheep and stuff. You know how they're branded? You know, we still do that today. Similar idea, right? And so he's saying, God anointed you, his seal is on you, and he put his spirit in our hearts as what? A deposit, guaranteeing what is to come, which is, of course, salvation and, of course, his return. So the spirit's within us, and we have the anointing. So you might say, oh, well, I'm a believer, but I don't know how, if I have the anointing. You, oh, yeah, you do. The whole question is whether we walk in it. Okay? You hear me now? It's tough. Let me tell you, I can tell you that, especially somebody who preaches about, you know, 30 times a year, you know, you're always like, oh man, I, I really want to walk in the anointing. But it's not like I have to go find it. You don't have to go find the anointing. You have to just walk with God and you have the anointing. Okay? It's not like God doesn't play hide and seek with his goodness and his gifts. You see, that's Zeus. Okay? A lot of us Christians sometimes we're worshiping Zeus. Do you know what I mean by that? This other God that'll only be good to us if we're good to him and we have to contort ourselves into all sorts of positions and then he'll maybe bless us. No, you see, the difference with God is he's pursuing us. It's only when we're out of whack and we're not living right, that's when we're not accessing the grace and the anointing. But it's not because God has hidden it, it's because we've walked away from it. That's how it is with God. Okay? It's not the other way around. So, Let's look at 1 John now. I love the way John says this. Look at this. We're going to do two verses together and a third one. I think I put it that way properly on there. But it says, 1 John 2, 20 says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write because you do not know the truth, because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. 
He basically just saying what I just said. You have the anointing, and don't you know it? He says you may not realize you know it, but you know it. Okay. And then verse twenty-seven: As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you this. He's, now. The worst way to interpret this verse is people will say, well, see, I don't have to go to church because John tells me here I don't need anybody to teach me. No, folks, follow the sentence. He's saying, you don't need anybody to tell you this. You already, you should know this. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have the anointing in you. But as this anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it taught you, remain in him. He's repeating what I just said. He's saying, stay with Jesus. You'll never lose the anointing. And again, why do we have the anointing? To do what? Good. I don't know. That could mean a lot of different things. Could we get enough time? We're going to address something. There is the anointing and no other. Okay? I'm speaking especially to Pentecostals, Charismatics here. You've been in church for a long time. In our certain, you'll hear preachers talking about, like, well, I have the anointing of David, or I have the anointing of Joshua, or I have the anointing of... It's all garbage. None of that is real. It's not a real thing. They just make it up. It's branding. Okay? There's the anointing, and the anointed one is Jesus, and that's it. Okay? It's, what they mean is, or I think the best, most charitable interpretation of what people are trying to say is, for example, if you're in a tough situation where you need strategy, and David was a very good strategist, they will say, like, well, you need the anointing of David for strategy. I don't need David's anointing. I need God's anointing. And I don't have to go get it because God told me I have it. So I just have to say, God, I know you've put the Holy Spirit in me. Your deposit is sure. I don't have to worry about the fluctuation in the market. I don't have to worry about inflation. I don't have to worry about a, a recession in the Spirit. The Spirit's always there. So, Lord, I'm looking. I need to access right now this anointing, so I need the strategy. I don't need David. That's what David did. I don't have to go get what he did. I need what God already gave me. Same goes for you. Don't sit there shaking your head and then tell me, I don't know how to get out of this problem. You get out of this problem by going to God. It's real simple. Everybody's anointed. Right? I always say this all the time. My favorite book when, I was, when my kids were little, Rhiannon's favorite book was, Everybody Has a Belly. Everybody read that book? Everybody has a belly, big bellies, little bellies, skinny tight bellies, fat bellies, cooler bellies. I remember, right? Everybody, well, everybody has an anointing, okay? Little bellies, big bellies, you know, whatever. Little anointings, big anointing. But the thing with the anointing is it's the anointing. It's not like, oh, well, I've got a strategy anointing and you have a deliverance anointing and, and you have a healing anointing and you have a preaching anointing. Rubbish. You have the anointing. And it accesses and speaks to every area of our life. And you might say there, they say, well, I don't know. I don't have clarity. Of, I don't think I agree with this. Say to God, hey, God, well, you should, you're this guy saying that your Holy Spirit can speak to me and give me clarity, so I'll ask for that. Right? Whatever you need in God this morning, you can receive that when your eyes are freshly anointed, when your mind, eyes of your spirit, I should say, are freshly anointed with that. The same spirit that anointed Jesus is literally here right now. Not because I told him to come, because he's here. He's here right now and he's speaking to you by your heart. He's actually talking to you in your heart and your mind. You know, um, about last year sometime, there was a prayer meeting here one Saturday and Deanne, I'm not sure where she's at, Deanne and uh, Gwyneth had the same vision. I don't know if people who were in the prayer meeting remember this. Do you remember that one? And it was that they saw the oil of anointing flowing from, was it back here? 
up here, sorry, yeah, from here out, right? And I remember them saying that night, they both had it separately and then brought it to the church that God's anointing would just flow in here. And that's what I really believe, that even right now in the spirit, I'm not saying that right now there's actually oil, okay, flowing. God forbid it would cost a lot to clean the carpets, okay? But what I mean is in the spiritual realm, God's anointing oil is always flowing. God is generous with his anointing. He's not sitting there going, ugh, this person hasn't met my standard yet. I don't want to give it to them. Right? It's, first you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the Savior, my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again and you're coming back again. Bam, you're anointed. Not later, not after doing the beginner's class, not after doing alpha, not after six months of good behavior. Bam, you're anointed. Okay? Yes, it's true that you need to abide, stay in Jesus over time. Not because he'll take the anointing away, but it begins to dry up because you walk away from it. And I know, I know, because I've been there, and you might be there right now, there is nothing worse than trying to be a Christian that is disconnected from the anointing and to live a Christian life nothing worse. It has to be one of the hardest things to do. It becomes all legalism or it becomes abandoned. You either go wild and do whatever you want, like Jesus is fine with whatever I do, right? Or it becomes like, I must live like this and I must live like that because you're so disconnected uh, from the anointing. I can tell you trying to minister or preach without the anointing is the worst experience in all of humanity. It's hard because up there I'm just giving information. I might as well just be a math teacher, right? Anybody can get up and say, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that, because of that, your sins are forgiven. And if you say that you believe in him, you're a Christian. Anybody can say that. It's whether you're anointed or not, whether that has any impact. Let me tell you, preparing for a sermon where you don't feel like you're right with God and you're not, it's the worst. Right? And what do I do? Oh, forget it, I'm not going to preach. Ugh. No, you, you go to the side and you get to God. You go, God, what's going on in my life right now? Where am I? What am I? And then guess what God does? He doesn't go, well, you're a big loser. And you made this mistake and you missed a mistake. He doesn't know how he works. It's not as he's working in your heart right now. He's going to say to you, hey, you know this thing I've been talking to you about? You know this stuck, that thing I've been asking you to start? You know that thing I've been telling you to stop? You know that person I've been telling you to forgive? You know that way I've been telling you to go? Do that. You're all good. Do that. I'm not taking myself away from you. I'm just trying to give you more of myself. That's what God is saying. And then we have a choice of whether we walk away from that or whether we step into it, whether we step into the anointing. Because let me tell you, when you step into that anointing, <laughs> whew, things change. It, it's, it can get a bit, um, almost a bit dreamy. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that. You know? But, and and uh, as... As everybody can attest, whether, unless I'm watching the Habs, I'm not a very emotional person. Okay? I'm not very emotional. But sometimes when the Spirit of God falls on you, you can't help but get emotional. And you literally feel it. Has anybody ever felt that? You feel almost, it's almost like you feel the oil, right? You feel some sort of, I don't know how to, how to even describe it, not a cloak, but, a, but a, a weight, you know, on you. You know, you feel like, woo! And you feel like, oh, all right. But then you feel like brave. You can pretty much do anything at that point and talk to anybody about anything. And you say, if you're sitting there going, right, oh, gee, that would be nice. I would love to feel that. You know how you do it? You say, hey, God, I'm here right now. Can I, that thing that guy is talking about, can I feel that too? Can I know the presence of your spirit? Can I feel that anointing? And guess what his answer is going to be? Yes. The Bible says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 
Come on. Right? So you're sitting there going, oh, I need the anointing. I need the anointing to get through my problems at work. I need the anointing to sort out the problems in my family. I need it. Okay, fine. Whatever you need it for, it's provision for it. But don't limit it there. Because when we have the anointing, we, can you go back to the verse, uh, the, the Luke 4? When you get there. Uh, thank you. Uh, next one, sorry. When you start walking the anointing, you don't just get through, you know, <laughs> the anointing is not just for surviving the day. The anointing is not just so you slog it through another week and come to church battered and bruised and like, I need it again. Ugh, what a horrible week. Anoint me, Jesus. It's not, guys, if that's where you're stuck, I always talk to you, that's what I call cocaine Christianity. That's what I call it. I call it that. It's cocaine Christianity, right? Oh, I need a bit more Jesus. It's not how it works. Okay? It's so that every day, the anointing. Imagine walking to every day. Head up, back up, walking to every day, saying, come on, day. Come on. Not in a combative way, looking forward to it. How many of you would like to look forward to every day? How many are super psyched about work tomorrow? But what happened? What would happen to our society if the Christians all of a sudden were the ones at the office who were not complaining every Monday? Another stupid Monday. Uh. Right? Can't wait for the weekend. Living for the weekend. Right, buddy? <laughs> what happened if Christians became people like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, God, boom, who cares? Right? What happens with, with, with our lives or their families if it's not just like, mm, great. We know. I got to go see so-and-so again. That's going to be fun. Right? Come on, we all do it. Right? Some of us are facing impossible situations. I was talking to a friend uh, just the other day at a school event, a family situation they're going through. It seems literally impossible. Right? Seems impossible. What if we just said, God, anoint me. Show me how to impact this. Show me how to minister to the situation rather than being like, well, I'm just going to put my hands up. So I'm sure some of you are going through that today. Excuse me. Remember, the same spirit that anointed Jesus is here right now. So have you ever received the anointing? The point is, if you're a Christian this morning, the answer is actually yes. If you're not, well, you're more than welcome to become a Christian right now and receive it. Do you need a fresh anointing? Maybe do you feel like, oh, I feel like it's dried up. I'm reminding you, the anointing didn't dry up in your life. The pool of anointing is right behind you. You have to turn around and jump back in. Okay? It, it, that's the thing that we often forget. Okay? It's, it's not like God's all of a sudden like, well, I'm going to give a five to Omri and a, like a four to Val, and then, oh, he gets seven. He had a really good prayer week. It doesn't work like that. Okay? But we become like that through time. It kind of messes us up. God's just like, here it is. It's all here. You can have it all. And we're like, okay, God, but I got a problem at work. Right? We, 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 we take our circumstances, and listen, I'm not trivial, because some of you are going through really hard circumstances, terrible circumstances, and that's hard. But I'm here to tell you that, man, God moves. I, I want to commend, oh, Patrick is here this morning, by the way, buddy, Patrick. And, and his wife, Noreen's at home with baby David, I'm sure, right? Resting, for sure, resting. And I don't know, if you have Facebook, go read what Noreen posted on Facebook yesterday. Just sort of blessing. They've been through a tough time. Okay? And they are like baby Christians. How long have you been Christians? A couple years? Uh, nearly two. And you read that and you're like, well, they must be Christians for 30 years. 
They're super anointed. Go, go read it. You know, if, if you're not, I don't know, be friends with Patrick or Norween on Facebook, okay? I'm just saying there's, there's a maturity, a depth of love, and a depth of, of God's grace in everything she's saying. And they're still not even out of the woods. Amen? We're going to pray for baby David. But the point is, you can just see it. God is at work. And I'm not trivializing anybody's problems. What I'm saying is, when you put your problem in God's hands, they seem small. Remember the old song? And the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Okay? It's not that they go away. You're just like, oh, now I'm seeing them in the right perspective. I get it. God is way bigger than all that. Nobody's whined more about the problems going on in Canada right now than me with the whole the rail thing, you know, whatever. It's really affecting my business and it's, it's, it's giving us a lot of problems. My wife's not happy because I, up until today, I'd been into the office 14 days in a row. Okay? Uh, right? It caused all sorts of things. We can lose perspective. Right? But the point is, I, I can't just focus on the earthly things. i got to go back and focus on God. So maybe I need God. God, who needs a fresh anointing this morning? It's not about, oh, receiving it from God. It's actually choosing to go into what God's already given you. You already have it. Okay, so I wonder if you could stand up with me, because I want to do a little exercise with you, as I always do. It's lunchtime. People's tummies are starting to grumble. But I want you for a moment to close your eyes and ignore that for a second and just think of, is the Holy Spirit of God talking to you right now in any way? Is God saying, hey, I want you to respond to the words you've been hearing, not that my uh, words are special, but the words that God has anointed would touch your heart and touch your soul right now, and you think, hey, there's something I need to do. Because let me tell you something. As I told you that, that story of the man, who, the apostle who, who spoke to me, he spoke an anointed word to me, but I had to respond to the word and take action. Had I not taken action, had I not chosen to study the Word of God and to continue to follow God, what he prophesied would never have come to pass because of what, how I chose to respond to that. Okay? Not any, not any blame of his own, it would have been on me. So I wonder if you can just close your eyes this morning. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that you've never actually felt the anointing. Maybe you, don't, you didn't believe before you came here today, or maybe you're struggling with your beliefs or whatever it is, but you're like, hey, there's something I need to respond to here. I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit nudging at me, speaking to me, pulling at me, or feeling that way, could you just put up your hand and I want to pray with you. I will not call you out. Just put up your hand and say, I, I know I need to respond to the word of God right now. Put up your hand, anybody who's feeling that I need to respond to what happened this morning. I need to respond. Now, if there's anybody who feels like you've dried up a little bit, things have dried up. It's okay that you, you, things have happened. Things got tough and you feel dry. You need a fresh anointing. Could you just raise your hand up to God this morning? You're saying, God, that's me. I want a, just a fresh anointing right now. I need to get things right with you. And just put up your hands real high. Just for God. Not for me. Nobody else is looking except for me. And you're saying, God, this is it. God, I don't want to play anymore. I don't want this roller coaster Christianity. I know that your anointing, your Holy Spirit's always there for me any moment, every day. And I just got to maybe do one of those backwards splash dives into the anointing. So I pray right now for these people. Lord, Heavenly Father, church, we just pray for them. Let's pray for them, church. Pray for everybody who has their hand lifted up. The many here this morning, Lord, who are like, hey, I need you. Lord, there's things going on. Maybe my circumstances are tough. Maybe whatever. But I know that the same power that anointed Jesus Christ to, to, to heal the broken heart and to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set liberty to the oppressed, is here with me right now. It's here with you right now. So in Jesus' name, we pray for these people. We pray that they'll understand that truth, 
that is something that will reside in them, Lord, and that every day and every hour they'll know what it is, Lord, to live under the anointing. May this church be a church, Lord, that just moves and walks in the anointing, Lord. As those uh, folks who had the prophetic vision of, of the oil flowing may just flow constantly and touch people's hearts, bring people into the kingdom of God. People who maybe didn't know you, Lord, to come know you as Lord and Savior. People who did know you, to come to worship you more, live for you more, and dedicate their lives to you right now. Lord, we pray especially for those with their hands lifted, Lord. May they see a change this coming week. Starting this afternoon, in Jesus' name, Lord, may those things that are blocking them or discouraging them or scaring them, Lord, be found in right perspective. Lord, give them the tools and the means and the strategies and the vision, Lord, to deal with them. We ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Have a fantastic